First Church Charlotte. Welcome again, everyone, to our weekly House to House Bible Study. I hope everyone had a, a wonderful and loving Christmas with your friends and family. I pray that this new year, 2024, bring much joy and increased faith and um, and, and, and laughter to your household. Um, so thank you for continuing to join with us. I have several texts to read, so you can jot them down or you can flip to them in your Bible. Isaiah 42, verse 6 is our first one. Isaiah 42 and 6. The writer writes, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. This is the promise of the Lord. He said, I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, as a light prophecy of Jesus, as a light to the Gentiles. Next, Isaiah 9, 2, he writes, this is uh, a direct prophecy of the birth of Jesus. The people who walked in darkness, Pastor read this on Sunday as well. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And my third scripture for tonight is John 8 and 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, quote, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so my subject tonight is Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. In declaring himself to be the light of the world, Jesus was once again claiming that he is the exclusive source of spiritual light that leads to salvation. I should get a good amen from, from that. That he is the exclusive source amen. of spiritual light that leads to salvation. In the opening verses of John's gospel, we are introduced to Jesus Christ as the incarnation of God. That's a theological word. And John wants the readers to know that Jesus is fully and 100% God in human form. The word incarnation, as I said, is a theological term, which means the act of being made flesh. It comes from the Latin version of the Vulgate, which in John 1 verse 14 reads in English, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Now, there are plenty of biblical support for Jesus's humanity, right? The gospel reports Jesus' uh, human needs, including the fact that he needed to sleep in Luke 8 and 23. He needed to eat. He needed food in Matthew 4, verse 2, Matthew 21, verse 18. He needed physical protection. We're talking about the humanity of Jesus, right? The humanity of God, if you will. Matthew 2, 13 through 15, John 10, 39. And there are other indications of his humanity uh, that, that he perspired, Luke 22, 43, that he bled, John 19, 34, 
and that Jesus also expressed emotions, including joy, John 15, 11, sorrow, Matthew 26, 37, and even anger, Mark 3, 5. During his life, Jesus referred to himself as a man, the son of man, if you will, obviously referring to that side of his, his ancestry, his human side, Mary, in John 8 and 40. And after his resurrection, his humanity was confirmed in Acts chapter number 2 and 22. John then reveals the purpose of God coming to earth as human. God coming to earth as human. Deity coming to earth as humanity. And he writes, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. John 1, 4 and 5. And so Jesus Christ came to bring the light of God's life into a spiritually dark and dying world. In Genesis, if we were to go back to the, gene the, the, the Genesis account, the creation of light was God's first creative move. Genesis 1 and 3. In the process of generating life, light was God's initial instrument for illuminating the darkness and formless void that was present. It was the first instance of God shining light into a dark world. When John spoke of his incarnation, which I read just a few moments ago, he was echoing the creation account. The scripture tells us over and over again that God is the source of life and also light. Now the psalmist writes in Psalm 36 and 9, quote, For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see, he says. We also read that in Acts 17 and 28 in Psalm 27 and 1. And in John 1 and 5, we read, God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. So, Jesus Christ is God's light sent down to earth to pierce through the darkness of your existence. That, that light is God's life, both physical and eternal, Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, John eleven twenty five 25 and John 14, 6. The life within Christ is the life of God. For as the Father has life in himself, John writes, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, John 5, 26. Now, the Bible tells that the life of Christ serves as a light to all people. That life, he writes, is the light of truth. The message of Christ's salvation and eternal life with God, quote, God has given us eternal life, and this life is his only begotten son, 1 John 5 and 11. The brilliance of Christ's life and truth shine like a light into the darkness of this world. In the New Testament, light and darkness are common symbols of good and evil. It's clear that light 
in John 1 and 5 represents life and, and ultimately eternal life with God in his heavenly kingdom. Darkness, on the other hand, is the absence of light, the lack of God. It represents the power of evil, sin, and unbelief in this world, all of which will lead to eternal death, according to John 3, 19, according to Job 10 and 22, Job 38 and 15, and also 1 Samuel 2 and 9. Now, John continues to focus on the theme and uh, this, this, this notion of light and darkness throughout his whole gospel. In John 8 and 12, uh, Jesus proclaims to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. John 1 and 5 says, the darkness has not overcome the light because evil cannot overcome, evil cannot overcome Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. John 12 and 46. So Jesus declared that those who believe in the light become sons and daughters of the light. He says, quote, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. John 12, 36. Now, according to the Apostle Paul, Christians have passed from darkness to light. He says in Ephesians 5 and 8, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light, the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Next, by loving one another, believers shine light into darkness as well. Paul writes, yet I am writing to you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Do you all know anybody like that? First John 2, verse 8 through 11. Notice that the common denominator in these two verses is hate. And there's a lot of hate in the world right now. We've got two wars that, that have the U.S., the, the Americas that we live in, two wars that, that we are actively engaged in, one in Gaza and one in uh, Ukraine. There are probably 38 other active wars that we are involved in in one way or another, either by support of logistical support or money. But I want to pause here to encourage you as we as we're get ready to close out 2023 get hate out of your heart if there is any hate in your heart for anyone and by hate i mean any intentional intense or passionate dislike or prejudice against another person that must be put out of your heart 
No amens there, huh? I said amen. Amen. Thank you. You must pray and ask the Lord to remove hate from your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Over time, if you are sincere, that hatred will soften and you will begin to change your feelings towards that person. I know that it's hard sometimes if you have over a long period of time encouraged hatred or held on to that hatred that you may have had for someone or or a group of people. Right. You have to pray and ask the Lord to remove it. All right. Now, the nature of light is to shine. And darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. Just as a bright street lamp discourages criminal mischief at night, so does the light of Christ dispel the darkness of sin in the world. Just as the first rays of the sun pierce that darkness of night, God's light and truth carry spiritual awakening to the darkened hearts of humanity. The light shines in the darkness means Jesus Christ has come into the world, bringing the good news of God's salvation to every person. As Isaiah foretold, he writes in Isaiah 9, 2, the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness has this light dawned. The life of Jesus, which is the life of the creator God himself. Let me say that again. The life of Jesus is the light of the creator God himself. This is the light of the world. No power or darkness can defeat, defeat or snuff it out, according to Matthew 16, 18 and John 16, 33. Jesus is the giver of life and Jesus is the bearer of light. The Son of God continues to shine his light into humankind throughout his church, the body of Christ, Philippians 2.15. And he says, whosoever believes in him receives eternal life, John 3.15. And also Psalm 112, verse 4. <laughs> now, as we are growing up, most of us learn the basics of the human sensory experience. You know, the five senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and feeling. Right. We, we learn that probably in grade school. Now, there are other things we, we sense, right, through those five senses. We, we sense pain. We, we, we can tell temperature changes. We get hungry. We can sense that. And most of those are related to the classic five senses that we learned in grade school. They, they go back to those five original ones. But there is a unique effect that sometimes occur where the triggering of one, the triggering of one sense leads to the involuntary triggering, triggering of another sense. And one of the most well-known and documented incidents of this was recorded way back in the 17th century in 1690 by the English uh, philosopher John Locke. And he made a report about a blind man who said he experienced the color scarlet when he heard the sound of a trumpet. This is his words. And that effect in which the stimulation of one sense, hearing, led to the automatic and involuntary experience of another sense, in this case, seeing scarlet, that's called synesthesia, right? It's a medical term. 
So I, I, I wanted to align or parallel that story to the story of Jesus's birth uh, with an experience that perhaps triggered multiple sensory stimulation in, in Mary and Joseph and probably causing a similar experience to them, something similar to synesthesia. Because I often wonder, how, how is it that Mary reacted and responded in the way that she did? Joseph, likewise. You're talking about the Almighty God coming down and talking to you through an angel and telling you that you're going to give birth to Messiah. It, it, it is a, well, we, we read it in the Bible and we're like, okay. But as the story goes, Mary and Joseph both experience an angelic appearance. This is not normal. Mary had a daytime vision, right? And, and Joseph had a nighttime vision. I don't know about if any of you have experienced um, an angelic presence. If you have, please let me know, because I want to know, right? But whenever an angel appears to someone in the Bible, it's usually a big deal. It's not casual. It's not casual. So when the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary and said, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I mean, it's a big deal. It was the announcement of the birth of God wrapping himself up in human flesh, pouring himself into a human, Mary's womb, to be born a man, Jesus. It's crazy. It had never been done before. It will never happen again. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. And these angelic appearances, it had to have overwhelmed them. But it had to have been enough to help them believe that God is doing something brand new in right. the world. God's rescuing the world, as it were, from the powers of evil and sin, which Adam and Eve had plunged us into. And God's coming in the midst of ordinary people like them in the flesh, bringing this light that we're talking about. And, and all through those angelic experiences, these, these bursts of light and, and sight and, and sound and feelings, that must have overwhelmed their senses. So the angel tells Mary, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Luke one thirty five, And then Elizabeth, who was also pregnant, when she sees Mary, the baby jumps in her belly. You see that in Luke 1 and 41. And then Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, says, quote, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. Watch, to shine on those living in darkness. And that God will guide our feet into the path of peace, Luke 179. Glory to God. Amen. But that night when Jesus was born, after Mary and Joseph's long journey from, from Galilee to the north, to Joseph's ancestral home, right, in Bethlehem, both Mary and Joseph recognized multiple experiences that had to engage all of their senses fully. When you read Luke 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, quote, So it was so that while they were there, 
the days, talking about the, the manger, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and he wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. First, they hold the baby Messiah in their arms. Second, they feel the warmth of his presence as a newborn. Third, they hear the first cries of, of this baby named Jesus, which, by the way, means Jehovah has become our Savior. Amen. So their senses are being activated, overwhelmed, if you will, with the arrival of the newborn king who was to become our Savior. Hallelujah. Sound, vision, touch. One of the earliest description of what Jesus' birth means for humanity comes in this first chapter of the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. John, one of Jesus' first followers, describes Jesus in this, in this way. Three sensory images he gives us. Sound of a word, the vision of light, and the physical touch of a dwelling place. If you read uh, John 1... Uh, at verses 1, verse 4 and 5, and also verse 13, it gives you this sense. He writes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was with God. And the, the word, word was with God. Glory. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the, again, the light of men. Mm -hmm. And that light shined in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, John the Baptist was the witness of this true light. Verse 6, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness to that light That's that right. all through him might believe. Verse 8, he was not that light. So G John the right. Baptist was not the Savior, but he was sent to bear witness of that Love. light. And verse 9, that he was that true light, which gives light mm. to every man coming in the world. Verse 10, he was in the world. The world, the was world knew him not. Him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him, but then thank God. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. To yes. those who believe in his name, verse 13, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so here we see a word from God speaking into human ears about what God is like. And then we see Jesus is a light from God showing to human eyes how God is bringing light into a dark world. And then we see Jesus in a dwelling place, as a dwelling place, the tabernacle or house, if you will, in the midst of a world where God can actually be touched. Do you remember the remark of the of the apostles when they remarked to themselves in astonishment i can't believe our hands have handled the almighty god you remember them talking to themselves yes our hands have handled him right and so so this hearing seeing touching all the senses being engaged sim simultaneously the presence of god in flesh had to have been so strong that one sense triggers another sense so that the human story can be given it so complete a sensory acknowledgement of the presence of God. 
Have you ever been in church and, and, and the word is being preached or taught or sung and, and you feel the warmth of his embrace? Yes. <laughs> you feel that God is in the house. Yes. If you haven't felt that, I pray that you I pray that you feel it. You know that God is near. If you have hair on your hands, they stand up. If yes. you have hair at the back of your neck, they stand up. And you Glory. feel that God <laughs> is in the house. You can hear him, you can see him, and we feel him. Amen. Isaiah the prophet uh, talked about this overwhelming synesthetic experience of God when in two different times he spoke like this. In chapter 9 and 2 of his book, he writes, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. In 42 and 16, he writes, I will turn the darkness into light before them and make their rough places smooth. These are the things he, I will do. I will not forsake them. This is God talking to you. I will not forsake you. And so darkness is overcome by light. The places that feel rough, God says he's going to make them smooth. I hope somebody received that. Yes. <laughs> and God is so obviously present in the midst of his people that we can we can feel him, we can touch him, we can we can feel the warmth of his hug, his embrace. Mm. And mm. so when Mary and Joseph heard Jesus saw Jesus and touched Jesus, I imagine that they too experienced a sensory overload as the reality that God is drawing near. God is in the midst of them. Just like it was at the beginning when he was in the garden with them physically. Amen. Now, Jesus is the word from God that would speak truth unlike anything else. And that is why even to this day, people who do not even like church or, or a lot of things about church or Christianity still are invariably drawn to Jesus. There's no teaching like his. But the word from God spoke just as powerfully through, through, through who Jesus was. He himself said, listen, if you don't believe my word, believe me for what I'm doing among you. These miracles that I'm doing, who else can do that? So his way of living amongst the everyday people of the world speaks to everyday people like us. Even more, God's truth in Jesus strikingly speaks to the truth that God would come near us in the flesh. How could this be? Well, we, we find out that Jesus brings eternal light from God in the midst of the darkness that we are experiencing. All around us, we experience darkness in our personal life through, through burdens of every kind and every description financial difficulties, relational problems and tensions, loneliness, or, or even the pain of suffering physically. <coughs> All around us, we experience the darkness of, of divisions between ethnic groups, anger over injustices that we see, the dreaded conflict between nations that we see, and the sense that we are lost and out of control on an endlessly spinning merry-go-round of chaos. But Jesus shines through that personal and collective darkness with a brilliance that tells us darkness will never overcome light or goodness. His life shines the light of God's care and presence 
for his people. That was his life. But his death shines the light of God's selfless love for mankind. And then his resurrection shines the light of God's hope for all of us. In this way, Jesus brings a touch from God in the midst of all of our rough places. I mean, let's face it. Life gets rough sometimes. We deal with the dark valleys of a loved one's death, the shuddering grip of sickness in our bodies, maybe cancer, suffocating systems of prejudice in our society, of racism and hatred in our path, various highs and lows in our career path, the surging of inner turmoil of our souls, and so much more. Jesus' presence tangibly manifests the care of God into the rough places we experience. And, and with God's palpable presence, we can feel him. In the flesh of Messiah Jesus, we begin to feel both the smoothing out of our rough places, the awareness that when, when the Lord is our shepherd, we will lack nothing. As he says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can we hear him? And can we see him? Can you feel Jesus? Beyond Mary and Joseph, there were three clear responses to Jesus in the early part of his life that help us understand what it looks like to let down our senses or to let our senses be overwhelmed by him. This synesthetic encounter with Jesus the Messiah, if you have ever had one, where all of a sudden you start crying uncontrollably because the presence of your creator is near and your flesh has to respond in some way. And so it breaks down in acknowledgement of greatness of its creator and you cry, not really understanding all the reasons why, but your flesh gives way to its creator. We, 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 we respond to Jesus like that. Will we be like the shepherds and let the light of Christ bring a humming new message into our lives? Will we run across all the rough places of our world to beat a smooth, straight path of faith to Jesus? Will we tell our friends today that he is not only the savior of the world, but... He's my personal savior. And here's why. Will we be like the, 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 the wise men, the magi, who were confused enough, curious enough, interested enough to follow the star that represented the birth of a king? And they went on a long journey of searching, of questing for this new king. Will we, will we be like them? Will we bring the tangible treasures of our lives, our minds, our time, our attention, our resources, gold, frankincense, myrrh, as a response to that light that reaches even to the parts of the world and our lives that, that may seem distant from God? Or will we be like Herod who rages with fury and fear before a God who, whose word speaks whose light shines, whose presence touches our lives? Will we push back aggressively or passively upon God who invades our domain as the light of the world in Jesus? 
I, I find that if Jesus came from God, the Lord told us that he is the visible manifestation of God. The book of Hebrew confirms that Jesus is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And if Jesus speaks God's word, and if Jesus shines God's light, and if Jesus brings God's touch, there's nothing else we can do but be completely overwhelmed in our senses by him. That's why we cry. That's why we run around the church sometimes. We, 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 feel, we feel his presence and know that he's near. Hallelujah. May we see his light so clearly that it makes our ears ring with the good news that God is here to touch and dwell in the midst of us. John 1 puts it very clearly. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. And finally, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8 and 12. Amen. Amen. That is all I have for you tonight. I hope it was helpful to you. I hope you learned something, gained something, felt something. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.